previously on Film Code. With Phoenix being the only one standing, he was unable to crack the code. So I'm going with a movie that was in 2016. I believe that also stars, uh, I want to say Taraji P. Henson, and that is No Good Deed. I wanted to stick with this theme of actors that are directing right now, which is huge. And he directed a movie called The Hollers, which is about a family. And obviously, John Krasinski was on The Office, so I already answered that. Um, it's got some na names you would definitely know. Richard Jenkins, Anna Kendrick, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Josh Groban, of all people. Um, where I'm going with this, though, is Randall Park, who, you know, very well-known actor. Oh. Uh, he actually is in the office as well for a extremely small cameo, extremely small, but I wasn't trying to cheat you with that since John Krasinski is the one I'm going for. He's in Ant-Man and the Wasp, he's in Aquaman. Um, so there is an actor in the DCEU and MCU, Randall Park, starring in so, John, John Krasinski's movie. So you tricked me, so it was two different actors. This week, it's Phoenix's turn with a brand new code word. Their code word was red. The movie was from 2000 to 2010. It is a part of a horror series, so it's a series of horror films. And your last clue was Canadian. Plus, the guys returned to a discussion on the best actor-director combos they'd love to see. And a review of a 2019 cult favorite, Alita Battle Angel. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. Start. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Film Code, episode 24. Aha. I remember. All right. Uh, my name is Phoenix Cloud. I'm joined today with our other co-hosts. Got that right too. Uh, <laughs> uh, kicking us off, uh, happy and proud. What's going on, Nick? How are you, man? Doing well. Um, finally, to be a co-host, not a guest host. <laughs> so that's exciting. Right. Um, great day. Been been super happy for the past past couple days. So happy to to come on here and and talk movies. Excellent. Uh, and also, probably also in a really good mood, Mr. Nathan, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well, Phoenix. Thanks for asking. I wonder why you would assume that I'm in a good mood of all the things going on in the world. But yes, <laughs> you would be correct in that assumption. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we are all happy right now, at least the three of us. But regardless, um, I'm doing well. The, the movie that has been chasing me down and I have to look over my shoulder every so often to make sure it doesn't tackle me. I finally watched it. Nick watched it. We watched it together, and we're going to talk about it today. So Woo! I'm glad that that movie has stopped chasing me. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the movie that we're going to be talking about today, which yes. is, yep. of course, Alita Battle Angel. Uh, I am super excited to talk about this movie. Uh, 2019 release. Uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, starring uh, Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, and Mahershala Ali, Jennifer Connelly, and Edward Norton. Uh, 
is based off the manga uh, of the same title. And I believe produced by Spielberg, was it? Or, or James Cameron. Yeah. Yes, James Cameron. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get those two mixed up. <laughs> so, uh... You told me the story of the war when the ground shook and the sky burned. Of the ones that survived. Who awoke to a different world. Where the powerful prey on the weak. But that's not the way it has to be. When I found you, your very human brain was miraculously intact. It's the loneliest feeling not to know who you are. In time, you'll remember. I remember black skies, the lightning all around me. Alita is new here. It's a harsh world down here. You gotta be willing to do what it takes. Alita, run! of her kind. She contains technology that have been lost for 300 years. Let me show you something. This body, I feel a connection to it. I can't explain. You know more about me than you're saying. Alita, some things have been left forgotten. And I'll find out for myself. She's threatening the natural order of things. I need you to destroy her. Alita, they will come for you. I'll have to face them head on. I'm gonna need you to stand way back. Tonight is not a game. It is a hunt. Guys just recently saw this, so I gotta know what are your initial thoughts, uh, Nathan? Yeah, uh, non-spoiler talk. Obviously, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll we'll break that seal here in a couple minutes. So if you haven't seen this and you potentially want to, you want to learn more about it, we won't spoil right now. Um, first off, I just want to say shout out to the Alita Army. I know this is a very Woo. popular movie amongst a, a certain crowd. They are very passionate and vocal and i'm really happy for them for for all that and think they're doing a fantastic job they specifically asked us to shout them out and i wouldn't shout them out unless i think they deserved it so <laughs> great job for them i'm glad that they took something they were passionate about and and really ran with it and made their voices heard um with that said i'm not trying to offend any of them i hope they don't cancel me please don't um but i thought this movie was just okay um, mm -hmm. I am not saying it's bad. Again, Alita Army, please do not cancel me. <laughs> it just, it failed to impact me on really any level. It was just one of these movies that I watched and I was like, okay, 
<laughs> what am I doing now? What am, what am I going to go do now? Like, I wasn't, I haven't really thought about it since we watched it last night. There weren't really any moments that I was like, wow. But at the same time, it was never, it was never bad. It was never boring. It, it, it was just kind of there. Um, so that's my non-spoiler take. Um, again, not trying to talk bad about it because I know so many people praise this movie. But um, yeah, it just it didn't impact me on any personal level. And, and I'll dive more into that in a little bit. Nick, what about you? Yeah, just to touch on some of the, the same thing that Nathan mentioned is that, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun at times. I thought it did some some storytelling elements very well. But then on the contrary, I think there were, there were some things that became convoluted and and kind of cluttered in the in the movie as a whole um but like Nathan said yeah i mean i didn't think it was a bad movie nobody cancel us out there <laughs> i didn't think it was a bad movie by by any means um but it's also not like a, a fantastic movie that that i'd probably ever watch anytime soon phoenix we we know how you feel about this movie <laughs> And I think uh, Alita Army out there is is dying for you to, to share your thoughts. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first off, I want to say that uh, the reason that um, I wanted us to talk about this was because of the Alita Army. They were pushing uh, Cinemark and other theaters to re-release Alita uh, back in the theaters. As we, as everybody knows, you know the the theater industry is is kind of in flux right now because they're not seeing a lot of movies. So I thought it was really interesting that this, you know, this cohort of people were like adamant about, you know, getting their movie, the, the movie that they love back in the theaters so that more people could see it. Um, and, I, I, and I dug that and I was one of those people who went back and saw it. Uh, I originally saw Alita on my phone. Like, I don't know why uh, I'd heard about it. I was like, oh, I guess I'll check that out. I remember like actually seeing the uh, the trailer for it, and I was like, "That doesn't look interesting. I'm I'm just not gonna go see that." <laughs> so when I heard all the buzz, I was like, "All right, I'll check it out." And I checked it out on my phone, and I and I was like, "You guys," I was like, "That was good. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, whatever." But I really because uh my phone didn't have you know really good graphics. Uh, when they re-released it, I was like, "Let me go see it in theaters. Maybe that'll really." uh change my perception of the movie and it did like like getting all of the the full visuals of all of the graphics i think really just upped it up for me but also i love this story like i i've never read the manga but uh you know i i enjoy this story i love alita like as like who like that character is love it love it to pieces um I just I I really had a great time with this movie. It's 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 not one of those movies where it's like um you know I guess you could say uh there's there's not like, you know, it's not an Oscar-worthy type of movie, you know, saying it doesn't have a lot of a lot of like meaty performances or anything like that. But I thought it was fun. I thought it was very fresh, very original, and I love, I love the the world that they set up. So to me, I think the best part about it is the world 
you know, of Iron City and of uh, this thing. Uh, what is it? Oh God, I'm, I can't believe I'm gonna forget. But uh, the thing in the sky that everyone's trying to get to, Zalem. Uh, I just think that it's an original idea, an original world, and I and I love to see it further explored. So I dug it. I dug Alita. I do want to talk a lot about the performances, specifically from two Oscar-winning actors, Christoph Waltz, Mahershala Ali, um, which I'm not going to lie, completely judging the book by its cover before having watched this, I was like, wow, shocker. Uh, yeah, right, because I, I never judge anything before I see it. Um, I was like, why is Mahershala Ali in this? Like, he, he went from an Oscar-winning extremely dramatic impactful telling performance mm-hmm. in green book and decides to do this and <laughs> i hadn't seen it obviously right. um but it doesn't take a genius to recognize green book and alita are two extremely extremely different movies and what they're trying to set out to do um so i was like why is he in this um and again not saying that Oscar-winning actors have to stick to a certain brand or genre or anything like that. Of course, I'm not saying that. It was it just seemed like an odd choice to go mm. right to that. Um, and same goes for Christoph Waltz. Um, I think this might actually be the first Christoph Waltz movie I've seen that's not a Tarantino. But um, regardless, again, I was like, w- w- why? Why? <laughs> um, but of course, those two are extremely extremely talented i think christoph waltz is if i were to make a list of of top 20 actors in hollywood based purely off of talent christoph waltz would definitely be on that list mahershala ali would probably be top six or seven so um just the talent from those two definitely raise the stakes of this movie Mm -hmm. um there are some performances that i think were a little awkward inside of this film but from two oscar award-winning actors they were flawless yeah, I, yeah. And, go ahead, Dean. No, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say, building on the the world building aspect is is I thought that was that was one of the strong points of the movie. Um, it kind of started as, and I, I say this that, that sometimes I feel like this is my own coined phrase is it was kind of like an onion story. Mm-hmm. Like you get this whole onion um at the beginning of a film this whole story and then as the movie goes on you kind of like peel back the layers of the film like you get you know different aspects um and i'll start to get into spoilers if anybody doesn't want to say anything else um yeah but you you know are you breaking it now yeah okay we're talking spoilers now (laughs) okay um you know you get these like layers like you know there's a killer out there and, you know, you're trying to figure out who that is. And Alita's trying to figure out who, who who she is. And, you know, we eventually figure that out. And then we're trying to figure out who Hugo is. And then we're trying to figure out what this motorball stuff is all about. And who's Vector and this, you know, whole sort of thing. So it's kind of like peeling back the onion, different layers of a story, which which I think is, is one of the strong suits of this movie. And just the whole world building was, was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that statement. That's that's part of probably, uh, like you said, like my favorite uh, aspect of this as well is is the world building. I do want to touch on what you what you, uh, Nathan said about uh, Mahershala Ali and Christoph Waltz. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> like uh, I think 
part of the reason that you have uh, guys who are award-winning actors in a movie like this is because they bring a sense of gravitas to something that, you know, isn't, you know, a deeply, I, w- I was going to say not a deeply human story, but it actually kind of is. Uh, but it's, you know, not a drama, you know, it's not exactly this, uh, you know, it's not Green Book, obviously. It's not It's not one of those movies. But they bring that uh, effort and that amount of uh, talent and realism to uh, a science fiction story. And uh, and they pull it off. They, they are uh, especially well done. I think the only thing I will say, I think Mahershala Ali gets gypped on a, on a few lines. I think he's, you know, he, he should have a few more lines in the movie. But uh, Christoph Waltz is amazing. Um, Jennifer Connelly actually is stands out to me uh, personally. Uh, I just think, and Rosa Salazar. I mean, I don't think we can you can talk about Alita without talking about Rosa Salazar and the amount of effort that she put into this role. She was amazing. She was she was really like honest to God. If it's not for her, I don't think I like this movie as much as I do. Like what she brings to Alita is ridiculous. Is is so sweet, so uh, honest and and innocent but also like vicious and and you know what I'm saying just genuine and unique I love her performance in this and like uh, along with the world building along with Mahershala Ali and Christoph Waltz Rosa Salazar really uh, is the glue that holds this all together and makes at least in my opinion makes it one of my favorite movies of, of 2019 well I'll take over for there um, I think that I'll start with a negative, but end with an, an overwhelming positive as far as Rosa Salazar. I think her character starts off really odd, um, and that's more so a performance thing. Like, as soon as they put the body on her and, and walk out into the street, it's um, I, I really felt like she was overacting and mm. just being a little too flamboyant and extravagant. And I, I said this to Nick when we were watching, and I was like, she's just, she doesn't feel right. For the first, like... <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes that she is actually acting um it just didn't feel right but then i think she got her legs under her maybe those were the first scenes she shot um but maybe she was still getting used to all the crap that was on her for you know this cgi stuff but the first 10 or 15 minutes i was literally like um people praise this acting this is this has not been this is this is this is bad um but then after the first 10 15 minutes she definitely gets comfortable with the role and I can see her, or I did see her, excuse me, just nail what she was going for. So it was a struggle early on, but I will say I was impressed with what she was able to do. And especially for all the CGI things she had to act with on her all movie. You know, I don't know how long it takes to film a movie like this, but for her to wear all the CGI suits, a camera in front of her face, and to act like that constantly when she's on set. Um, it's challenging. That's something that I know I probably couldn't do. That's something I guarantee we all couldn't do unless we had ample time to train and get used to it. So uh, good for her and 
that was definitely a challenge. And I think that after the first 10 or 15 minutes, she definitely gets her legs under her and, and uses it well. But I wanted to talk about something that you mentioned was the dialogue. Definitely think Mahershala Ali doesn't get enough screen time, especially for this menacing behind the curtain villain that he is. But I think the dialogue in this movie is, is probably the worst part of it. Yeah. Um, it, you like, there are times where it makes the Star Wars prequels look like good dialogue. <laughs> um, which, you know, Phoenix, you haven't seen, but the Star Wars prequels get cooked for a lot of things, and their dialogue is is mainly one of them. But mm. I thought the dialogue in this movie was not awful, but there were times and sections where it was awful. Um, and that definitely took away from from my experience a little bit. And I know I know Nick feels the same. Yeah, Definitely. Like when she's in the the whole, um, what is that called? Like a bar, when she's in the the hunter warrior bar, mm-hmm. and she like you know gives that speech, and everybody's like laughing at her. Like I had secondhand embarrassment for her, and I hate <laughs> feeling that when I'm watching a movie, because it's just so distracting. And I was like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> and then she's like, I'll beat anybody, and you'll have to join my team. Well, she beat everybody. Did anybody join her team? I don't, no, think, I don't so. think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I had a little bit of a problem with that too. It seemed like her rise to power or her understanding her own abilities happened very quickly too. I think that not her past, because I get that didn't happen quickly at all, but like her recognizing how much power she actually had and these mm-hmm. co- hand-to-hand combat skills and things like that, right. that happened like that. And it was it was a little quick for me. And, like, that was, yeah. like, the, the second time I saw it, that was something that really jumped out at me was the pacing. I was like, this is moving, like, ridiculously fast. Like, like I'm like... Like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I thought it, like, I thought it was paced well. But, like, once I saw it again, I was like whoa dude like we're like we're just going from point to point really fast uh, yeah and i don't i don't think normally when we talk about pacing it's about there's a section that's fast then there's a section that's slow right then there's a section where you're bored out of your mind <laughs> boys in the band um but in this essence i assume you're not talking about pacing in that way it's more so i don't think they i think they rush through some elements yeah. and Obviously, they're setting up for a sequel, but both in the beginning and in the end, I feel like they rushed so many plot points mm-hmm. that I almost feel like this would be better as a trilogy, and I don't know if that's eventually their end goal. Right. I don't know what that is, but as of right now, it's just a sequel, and I think if almost Batman Begins style, if they made her trying to learn her powers like learn hand-to-hand combat, find mm-hmm. her memory, things like that. Build her up. And then right. she defeats Mahershala Ali's character at the end of this movie. But it's a struggle for her to, to, to become the hero she will eventually become. And then that second movie, you can do what you want there. I, I, I feel like that would have been a lot better because they rushed through so many plot points in this movie that it's kind of hard to grasp everything that happens. Yeah, I agree with that. Like. We, and when she was first learning rollerball, it was kind of like the third time, the charm movie cliche, like <clears throat> fail once, fail twice, you and know, then, success on the on the third try. Like it was that typical, you know, third time is the charm sort of movie cliche. Also too, is like, 
I wanted to see more of her her flashbacks. Mm. You know, she had they set up such an interesting thing like you're found in a junkyard, you don't remember anything, you know, you kinda get like glimpses of your old life, like trying to stand up that that big big tank thing, but like we only get two or three flashbacks and they're both fighting. You know, like can't we know something about her personal life? or something like off the battlefield or her friendships or, or something like that um but it was all just about like her in combat which isn't a bad thing just how they did it but i wanted to see more of those flashbacks and, and more of the the struggle that she had like getting grips on being alive again <laughs> yeah uh i agree with i agree with that uh yeah like it, in terms of pacing like i feel like it it, it works itself out towards the end, like, you know what I'm saying? Everything's given proper time and all of that. But just like, I would say probably like that first 40 minutes, it's just zooming really, really fast. And like, what I didn't even realize is, uh, as I was watching, I was like, this was a two hour movie. Like, yeah. this is like well over a two hour movie, but the pacing would make you think it's like roughly an hour and a half, you know what I'm saying? Almost 90 minutes. It's, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you just, yeah. Like that first, the first 40 minutes, it's like, okay, she's alive again. Okay. Uh, you know, she can fight and, you know, here's this thing about hunter warriors and here's this thing about, you know, uh, these villains and, and what's going on with Zalem and, and then, you know, yeah, and the the boyfriend's uh, job and all that. I, just, like... I would have. I I think it would have been a lot more effective on a storytelling perspective to slow down a little bit. And I'm yeah. not saying they have to slow down a ton. Right. Just slow down a little bit. They speed through so many plot points that, as a first time watcher, it was hard to pick up on everything. And yeah, you I know, agree. we don't. We don't. As an audience, you don't need to sit there and explain it to us like we're six. But at the same time, for a movie that should be easily digestible, because this is a film that should be easily digestible, mm. we should at least understand a majority of the plot points. Um, and they just fly through all of them. I think, like I said, she understands her abilities and her strength a little too fast. Um, right. So talking... A lot uh, of negatives, but still, I'm going positive on the film overall. I will swing back and, and talk about some positives too. I did like the storylines they covered. I did. Yeah. I, I think I think from a story perspective, like you know, if you were to do a plot summary, I like the stories they have. I I, I do. I don't I don't really care for the motorball thing sport. I don't. Mm. I think for me, that's the part that I don't connect with as much. But as far as a, a villain perspective, a, a city on top of a city perspective, her trying to remember, um, the doctor is got some sketch business. There's this town of criminals and hunters. From all of that, I really enjoy all of that. I think those storylines are very creative. I think they adapt them to the screen pretty well when they're not rushing them. And... I, I don't know. I, I did really like the story and maybe on a rewatch, I'll understand a little bit more, but this time around, I just enjoyed them. I didn't have enough time to understand them. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that's like, 
I think I said this in my uh, review on Letterboxd, which you guys can check out at PA Cloud, and thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what I said was that, you know, if, you, if your issue was pacing or dialogue with this movie, totally fair. Like, I feel like those, those are fair assessments. What I don't get is the hatred. Like, I feel like, like, yeah, you can have an issue with the pacing. You can have an issue with the dialogue. Uh, and I think the lowest you could really rate this movie is maybe two stars, right? I think that's the lowest you could go because there's so much other good stuff in it. I feel like the good stuff totally outweighs the bad. Uh, like I said, Rosa Salazar's performance, the, the visual effects, which we haven't even touched on, the visual effects in this movie are astounding. And like, like I said, when I first watched this on uh, my phone, I couldn't really get a grasp of, of the game, like the motorball game. I was like, I really can't get a full grasp of it because I'm like, like, I just couldn't see it. Like, at least on my phone, it just kept stuttering and pixelating. It, it wasn't working for me. So when I watched it again in, in the theaters, oh, oh my God, just beautiful. It all comes together. It, it's really clear. And um, the game itself, it's like, ridiculous like it's like honestly the game is stupid <laughs> like, like the game itself is really kind of stupid but it was cool you know <laughs> like it was cool it was like imagine if like hockey like if you could kill people in hockey that's that's what motorball is like you know what i'm saying it's just like way too violent extreme you know what i'm saying and that's what i mean by the world the world building was if you set up this world where this is acceptable and this is okay, and then you have these things called Sky Cities and you have these things called, you know, say an Iron City and, and, and why people, you know, steal and rob and what, what's so wrong about this world, I think is so great. I think we talked about pacing issues. One of the issues is that you didn't spend enough time exploring this world, you know what I'm saying, that you've built up. Uh, and that's why I feel like, you know, if they do uh, multiple uh, movies, which I sincerely hope they do, that that gets explored uh, more often. Well, also, well, like, yeah, you go ahead. Um, yeah, world building, fantastic. Visuals, fantastic. I look at two comparisons that I want to talk about. Is Motorball to Quidditch. Mm. In Harry Potter, Quidditch is such, like, a, a big part it's a you know the only sport that they really talk about but they do a, a good job explaining it so when you're watching it it makes sense you know certain things have certain points and if you do this it's that would it is it a dumb scoring system as a sport yes but <laughs> it makes sense it makes sense but when you go to this motorball it's like they're playing on the street and it's like this kind of circular arena you know, or arena. It's just a bunch of like skateboarding ramps. But, and, you know, the ball's like reset and they do it again. But like in the big, it's just like this big like tube and like tunnel. It's like a luge tunnel, like where you're just like running along. And then like people have like different shapes and like different weapons. And like, are there people in the, in the suits or are they like robots and they get destroyed like <laughs> is this gladiator like they don't really like explain it from from a sports um 
perspective, it just doesn't make sense as a sport. Yeah. And second comparison is I feel like this is very much like in Iron Man 2 is that the the writing team pro- sat down and they had all these ideas from the graphic novel and they, they wanted to include them and they were like, okay, let's shove them all mm-hmm. in here and like let's let's get them all in here. Like we gotta get Vector, we gotta get Motorball, we gotta get, you know, the whole like she's an alien, you know, we gotta get that whole suit stuff, like we gotta get a hunter warriors, like there was just so much on, on everything that like you didn't have enough time to think about anything. Yeah. This you know, this, Nathan said it would be good, better if they, they lined it up as a trilogy. I think it would be better as a TV show, honestly. Mm. Because there's so much in this world. And, you know, as the graphic novels, I'm, I'm assuming since it's a graphic novel, it's not just one. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I think this would be better as a TV show. Just because of all the elements they have. Mm. And I feel like all the elements in their own right are interesting enough. But we, they don't get explored enough to make mm-hmm. a meaningful impact. And that that I agree with entirely. Like, uh, there's so much here that like, we're, we, we're, like again, like, it comes back to the pacing. Like we're talking about how yeah. things were, were cut and really rushed through. And it's because, you know, you only, you only have two hours, but there's so much world here. Like, yeah. we, we need to explore it. So like, uh, part of the, the um, the, the the thing with the Alita army is that they're they they want a sequel and like I'm right there with them like this movie well, deserves kind of like we need a sequel yeah we need a sequel it's like like there's so much there and it's so like to me it pulled me in right I'm like okay like yeah it's not perfect but it pulled me in and now I'm like I, I need more like it's like a drug I'm like okay you got me you got me hooked now where's right. the rest like <laughs> like I need the rest. And uh so like for me that that's my draw to this movie is that it's it's good and you've got a really good strong start. I need more. Like right. like like I know like I think I think I would go a step further. I think if you are going to do it as a a series of movies I think you could do you could reasonably do 5. Like wow reasonably do five like you could probably get away with just three but i think if you really want to milk it you could go at least five but i think they i i, I think they could do five but i think they they set themselves up for failure because of how they they paced this first one mm. like it's like you can't really have a lot unless you just do a lot of like flashbacks and backstories so which would be cool <laughs> yeah i, know, I, I mean i could when I first saw I mean, there's it, not, there's nine books. Yeah, there's oh, there's nine um, little little graphic novels, mangas, mangas, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I talk about why Edward Norton is listed as uncredited for this movie? Yeah, that's weird because that mean... makes me kind of upset because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan of Edward Norton. I think he's really funny. I think he's a fun actor, even though he is hard to work with, apparently. Uh, regardless, I'm a big fan of Edward Norton's. Why is he uncredited? Um, I think it's because he doesn't actually have lines in the movie. That's dumb. Like, um, he's in it. We see his eyes. We yeah. see he looks directly like into the camera, pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
sure he's in it very little, mm-hmm. but he is in it, and he. I'm assuming he's going to be in the sequel. He better be in the sequel right. because that's what they built up to. Right. Um, it just doesn't make sense, you know. Jeff Bridges is uncredited in Spider-Man: Far From Home, but that makes sense because they used a clip from the original mm-hmm. Iron Man, right. so he's literally not in it. Right. They used an old clip. That makes sense for you to be uncredited. Why are you uncredited? <laughs> when you're actually in the movie, did did he not show up on set? Uh, did he not get in <laughs> co- costume and makeup? Did he not have to learn? Maybe he didn't have to. You're right. He did not have to learn lines. But right. did he not have to stand there in front of a camera and, and, and you know, get shot during scenes? Really? Uh, did, that, uh, did that not happen? No, no, it did. I'm, I'm asking rhetoric questions. It did happen. <laughs> he is in this movie. And... I have significant beef with whatever decision maker is uncrediting him. Yeah. And, and, I, and like, I get it. Uh, again, like I said, he doesn't technically have lines. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He, he He's in it. I mean, even though he, you could argue that he performs for like, what, 10 seconds in the movie? <laughs> like maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like a screen time limit in order for you to be credited in a movie. That, that's the only thing I can think of. What about Michelle Rodriguez? That's another notable actress who does speak and has lines, and she is uncredited. So what's with that? It's not because it's not her face. So now uh, we're hitting, like, two fine lines? Because <laughs> Rosa Salazar is not – that's not her face either. Right, yeah. So why, why, does she, why is Michelle Rodriguez uncredited? I have beef with whoever is uncrediting yeah. these two actors. That's, yeah, that's weird. I, I can't argue for that one. That one's that one's weird. All right, so let's go ahead and give our final scores, guys. Nick, kick us off your official rating for Alita: Battle Angel. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it three stars. Mm-hmm. It's on the higher the higher range of three stars, but just with the things that we've talked about, like the the overload of of story that they were trying to get into this movie. And just the the pacing issues, I think, or the dialogue, I think it it struggles for me to get to three and a half. If you fixed that, I think it would be three and a half. Nice. Nathan, what about you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Shocker. I'm yep. going three stars. I'm going with a B. Uh, when you're in the three star category for myself, you're either a B or a B minus. I think it's on the higher end as well. So it would be. Um, like I, I said at the beginning, I think the CGI is incredible. It's masterful. I think it's real trailblazing what Rosa Salazar was able to do, being in a CGI suit and the camera a few feet in front of her face, all movie. That is incredible and groundbreaking. Fantastic performances from award-winning actors. Um, but at the end of the day, it just did not impact me. It didn't I'm not thinking about it. I haven't thought about it since I watched it last night. Um, and overall, it's a little too rushed for my liking, but it's still a movie that I can sit down and know I'm going to at least have a good time with. So a B overall, uh, and that's that's my thoughts on it. All right. Uh, I am going four stars. Uh, like I said, I adore this movie. I think they set up a world that I am so intrigued by and 
and I'm so interested in, and I loved every bit of Rosa Salazar's performance. Um, I love the lore. I love the game. I love the mythology. I like, I, I too take issues with the pacing and the dialogue in certain areas. I think it's really rushed. I think it's kind of sloppy in a lot of places, but like I said, visual effects make up for it. The fight scenes make up for it. Um, overall, I dug it. I want more. Uh, so for me, it's four stars. Uh, and I look forward to the sequel. So thanks again to the Alita Army for pushing Cinemark to re-release this movie in theaters. And I'm so happy that we got a chance to watch it and that we all enjoyed it to certain varying degrees, but we all, <laughs> all pretty much enjoyed it. Uh, and now, what's good? Kick us off. What do you have that's what's that's good for you this week? I'm so sorry. I don't remember if I already recommended this or not, but I'm going to do it again in case I did um, because I just, I don't have anything. It was a bad week for me. Not going <laughs> to lie. It was a pretty bad week. Um, we started watching Coen bros movies and in the minority opinion, the first three are, are, are not very good, but um, if I already recommended this, my apologies, but I'm going to go with the gift something I watched a, a couple weeks back. It's directed by Joel Edgerton. Consistent listeners of this show and you guys obviously know that I'm a big fan of movies that are directed by current actors who are still acting, and they decided to take a shot in, in the director's chair. So Joel Edgerton directs this. It stars Jason Bateman, and I love this. This is exactly what I want out of a psychological thriller. Um, I put it above many classics as far as an enjoyment level and an overall film. I'm not going to say too much about it because it relies on a couple big reveals, but I really enjoyed The Gift. If you're looking for a psychological thriller, um, this is exactly going to meet your standards. But it's on Netflix. At least it was when I watched it. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Just know that it uh, it is r-rated it does tackle <laughs> some some r-rated themes and ideas so you have to be comfortable with some uncomfortable ideas and themes going in if you're okay with that it'll be good sweet all right uh i am going to recommend a movie that i saw a while ago and then recently re-watched because i love it um i uh try to watch as much international cinema as I can. Um, and I will tell you that French cinema and Asian cinema have my heart. Like those, those are the two where it's like, they, they just produce some really, really good stuff always. Uh, so one of the movies that I watched recently was called Shoplifters. Um, it's a movie, uh, Asian cinema movie about a family of, uh, you know, uh, I think they have like three or four kids uh, and they, they all, they pretty much rob places. You know, they, they come up with decent schemes to, to rob the place. 
mostly like grocery stores and stuff like that. But that's not even the heart of the movie. The heart of the movie is the story between this family. Uh, they, they, I believe they have two or three kids and then they find a kid who's been abandoned and they take that kid in and they rate, they pretty much raise her and, uh, the relationships that they have with each other, the mother and the father, the, the, the family, they even have a grand, an elderly grandmother. It's just so sweet. And it's, it's one of those movies like Asian cinema does this, this, this thing where they'll tell a story, but they won't really hit the reveal to like the last 20 minutes of a movie and that's what really sells this movie is the reveal at the end so i would highly recommend it shoplifters i believe it's on hulu last i checked uh but give it a go nick what about you sweet well like nathan mentioned uh we started the cohen bros um and their first film was probably the best out of the bunch i gave it three and a half stars and that is Blood Simple. Um, cliche, not intended, but it's just a very simple storyline um, between these these three or four characters. Um, and it dives into like their relationship and um, how tattered some of the relationships are. And there's hiring going on for different jobs. Um, so it's an interesting enough film for a, a first film. And I think a film that not a lot of people recognize when they associate it with the Cone Bros. So that's mine, Blood Simple. Nice. All right. And that's Blood Simple, The Gift, which you did recommend before, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> and Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, that and, just goes to show how poor of a, a month I'm having. <laughs> And shoplifters for me, and that's what's good from all of us here at Film Code. What's good, what's good, what's good. What's good, what's good, what's good. All right, guys, so we have a meaty discussion that we want to get into, and uh, Nathan reminded me that we we did discuss this once before on the episode where it was just me and him, but uh, we wanted to bring it back because now we got Nick in and uh, we probably got some some new and exciting and interesting choices as well. So we are talking actor director combos that we'd like to see um, as, like we did before. Uh, these are actors and directors who haven't worked together yet and that we'd like to see together so even if you know even if it was like a way long time ago you can't put those two together because they've already done it so uh nathan kick us off do you yeah uh just a couple of things you know i personally think casting is is very interesting i love seeing the rumors seeing who people are going to work with you know if they announce they're making a new xyz movie I'm so interested in who they're going to get to direct, who they're going to get to star, if I think this person's going to fit that role or not. So fan casting and pairing people up is is great. And a director and a star is probably the most crucial pairing uh, for your film. So this is just so exciting. I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, so we'll go at least I, I plan on going from my least favorite of the five that I picked to my most favorite, if it were to happen. And like Phoenix said, they can't have worked together. So Samuel L. Jackson had this tiny role in Goodfellas. 
directed by Martin Scorsese, but they still work together. Right. You can't do that. You Ooh. know, things like that. So we wanted to do people that don't work together. And we tried to pick people that weren't just, oh, Christian Bale's my favorite actor. David Fincher is my favorite director. I want to see them work together because I like them. No. We tried to pick things that we actually can put logic behind and, and things like that. So I decided to choose none of the same directors that I used from last time, uh, which was David Fincher, Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese, Damien Chazelle, and Greta Gerwig. So completely new set of directors because, you know, it's a big world out there. Um, Nonetheless, I'll kick off my list with Ryan Coogler, mm. obviously a, a huge name on the rise right now for everything he has done. I know he's very busy right now with Black Panther 2, but sometime down the line, I would love to see him work with John David Washington. <laughs> I would love to see this, um, even though I have a bad taste in my mouth about JDW because of Tenant. That is not his fault. It's not his fault, but I still have a bad taste in my mouth because of it. Um, the protagonist. Yes. <laughs> I. This would be higher on my list had I loved Tenant. I didn't. That's unfortunate. Um, still, love me some John David Washington. I'm a big fan of him in the show Ballers, which where he got his start. Um, obviously, I think he was fantastic in Black Klansman. And seeing what Ryan Coogler has been able to do with these young black actors, specifically Chadwick Boseman and... Michael B. Jordan, John David Washington fits that billing perfectly. He's young, he's on the rise, and whatever story Ryan Coogler decides to tell, um, obviously he, he loves telling stories about the struggle of black people. Um, if he decides to tell another story like that, I think John David Washington definitely fits that billing. You stole one of my picks. <laughs> it was it was exactly it was that. exactly right. Let's Coogler go and and John David Washington. So that was go. one of the ones I couldn't decide if I wanted to put it in my top five. So since you 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 have it, I'm gonna let it go. Uh, Nick, go ahead. What's, what's your first pairing? Yeah. Um, so Nathan mentioned somebody that I'm gonna mention in this, and that's Michael B. Jordan. Mm. Um, you know he very famously has worked with Ryan Coogler in Fruitvale Station and obviously in, in Black Panther and Creed. Um, Creed. Um, but I think he would be fantastic working with another actor on the rise and or director on the rise. And that's Jordan Peele. Nice. Jordan Peele <laughs> has directed two horror films. Um, whether he stays in that, that genre or kind of moves towards dramas is still to to kind of be unseen. His latest projects like Candyman, um, which he's helping produce, and uh, I forget the show that he's producing right now. Twilight Zone. I don't Town. remember. Twilight Zone. Yes, but there's another one. Um, have all kind of been in the horror genre, um, but if he steps out of the horror genre, or if Michael B. Jordan steps into the horror genre, I'd love to see the both of them work together i think that'd be sweet see now you just took one of my directors <laughs> i did not have him paired with michael b jordan though but i'm, I'm not sure gonna... we all i'm sure we all picked similar yeah, directors similar directors so uh i'm gonna jump around here i don't i didn't have mine ranked but i'm gonna see which one i can kick off with and i think i'm gonna go with this one uh so I love both of these people, and I think 
they could do magic together. Um, I, the actor is Jesse Buckley. Uh, Jesse Buckley, who was in uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, uh, was also in one of my favorite movies of last year, uh, Wild Rose. Incredible actress, uh, great singer. Also, I didn't know she had a great voice. Uh, and I am pairing her with Ryan Johnson. I think what Ryan Johnson does uh, as a director, I think he's great with female uh, uh, front uh, lead actresses. So I think he can bring something out uh, with Jesse. I think that'll just be a perfect match for those two. Um, and I like me personally, I would love it if it was either like a murder mystery movie or a musical. I think either one he would hit pretty well with Jesse as the front. So that's that's my first pairing, Ryan Johnson and Jesse Buckley. I think it's better than your Ryan Johnson Macaulay Culkin one from last time. Oh no, that's genius. That. that is brilliant. <laughs> Um, my next one features a moderately popular female director. There's not very many female directors right now, which is an absolute shame. And that is quickly changing with several female directors making projects right now that we've yet to see. So in a year, I'll have more popular female directors to choose from. And I used Greta Gerwig last time, and I didn't want to use any of the same people. Um, so I went with Patty Jenkins, who mm. is most notably directing Wonder Woman. And she directed something called Monster, which I haven't seen. That has good reviews. But outside of that, in Wonder Woman, she hasn't done anything. So she is very much a director that I think is still on the rise, finding her footing. And if she's not going to direct a superhero movie, it might be a struggle to get people out to the box office just because she's not established yet. So I wanted to pair Patty Jenkins with a lead that could bring people out. And... I think that lead is Emma Stone. Mm. Um, obviously, she is an award-winning actress. She's one of my favorite actresses. But regardless, she's an award-winning actress. She's been in several films that are eye-opening. She can be dramatic. She can be funny. And whatever Patty Jenkins wants to do, I think Emma Stone fits that bill pretty well. Like I said, Patty Jenkins has not directed anything necessarily big other than Wonder Woman. So she gets her first shot at a, at a non-superhero role. I think she would just need a, a pretty big name to help lure people to the theater. Um, and I think Emma Stone's that person. I like that pairing. I do. I do. I think that's a good fit. I'm curious. Uh, if it's not a superhero movie, what do you think it would be? I just, I don't know her style enough. I mm -hmm. would hope it was a drama. I think that but, but I just don't know. I haven't seen anything Patty Jenkins has done other than Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't confidently say she does this good, she does that bad. Um, but Emma Stone can do anything that we know. And uh, I'd just like to see what Patty Jenkins does. That would be an interesting mix. Okay, no, Nick, what about you? Cool. Um, so I have a, a newfound love for this person. Um, she's in one of my favorite movies, uh, Three Billboards. And we just recently watched Fargo and Blood Simple, um, <laughs> which she is the, the star of. And that's Frances McDormand. Mm -hmm. um, fantastic actress. Um, super excited for, for Nomadland and Chloe Zhao. 
Um, but I have her paired with another female director and, and Nathan's already mentioned Greta Gerwig. Um, so I think she'd be great with Greta Gerwig. Um, Greta's so far only done two films and they've kind of been coming of age films. Um, she's supposed to direct Barbie with Margot Robbie coming up here soon. Um, so I don't know how to feel about that one. Um, but I think that the two of them doing a, a drama would be fantastic. Um, Greta's nailed the drama so far in her two films and forensics McDormand's a very dramatic actress um plays that very well and has won two best actress awards so i would love to see that pairing that's a solid woman uh i'm mad i didn't even think of uh francis mcdormand that that makes me mad um (laughs) so uh nathan mentioned female directors i have four female directors on my list of 13 because i i couldn't stop pairing any uh people but i have four female directors uh, and one that I really want to see is uh, Olivia Wilde, who uh, just recently did one my probably my favorite comedy of 2019, which was Booksmart. Uh, and I paired her with Sam Rockwell. I think they would be a brilliant, brilliant mix. Sam Rockwell is insanely good. He's he, he did comedy for long before he did drama and he excels in both. Um, I think, and Olivia Wilde excels in, in both as well. I think he would make an excellent antagonist in a, in a movie for her. And I want to throw in something special. If you pair that director with that actor, I want Taika Waititi to write the script. <laughs> I feel like that would be a very interesting mix Obviously, Sam has worked with Taika before in Jojo Rabbit. I think he did excellent work there. Again, blending comedy and drama. I think the put all three together, that's a perfect match. So Olivia Wilde and Sam Rockwell for me. And those two did work together um, in Richard Jewell, both as actors. So oh, Olivia Wilde has not directed, <laughs> directed Sam, Sam, right? but they have worked together uh, uh. in Richard Jewell. Loophole, but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll give it to you. It's, it's fine. At least some familiarity with each other, which we know is huge in Hollywood. Familiarity. Yeah. But um, love that we all went with with female directors. There absolutely needs to be more representation in that department. Um, my third one um, features a director that I'm excited to see more of. I've only seen one of his films, but all of his films are highly rated. And this is maybe the most genre specific <laughs> actor or excuse me director in hollywood and that's yorgos lanthimos mm. um director of the lobster killing of a sacred deer the a couple others mm-hmm. the favorite excuse me yes mm-hmm. um he is very specific in what he tries to do all of his actors in his movies seem to be robotic mm. and just odd odd performances um, and someone who I think would absolutely pull this off and just be a stud in the lead role for what Yorgos is typically looking for is Florence Pugh. Nice. She, <laughs> obviously, I have not seen Midsommar. I am aware of how weird Midsommar is. Um, having not seen that movie, I still know that she, Florence Pugh, can handle stuff like that and midsummer and what Yorgos does 
are similar. Um, and I just think she is so talented. Another actress on the rise, uh, just talking about like John David Washington, one of my picks a, a few minutes ago. Um, Florence Pugh could pull this off. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Yorgos' movies. Obviously, Yorgos has, has directed an um, Oscar-winning actress in Olivia Coleman. So, yes, this, this would get me excited. Yeah, I have uh, Florence Pugh paired with a different director, but I like that as well. Uh, Nick, what about you? Um, so I've only seen one of this director's movies, um, and we're kind of split on how we all feel about that movie. Um, and that director is Charlie Kaufman, uh. <laughs> um, with, um, I'm thinking of ending things. And that was just such like a, a weird vibe to a movie, such like a gritty and, and dark and, and, you know, this, this emotion movie. And I think, a an actor that would just work very well with that is Adam Driver. Mm. Um, Adam Driver just brings emotion. Um, when you look at like Marriage Story, I haven't seen Black Klansman yet, but he's in that. He's great in that. Um, so I think these two would, would just work together on, on the emotional front and, and the dramatic side as well. We can get some Adam Driver yelling more. As well. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, okay, doke. So, I am going to uh mention someone, uh, I don't think has been mentioned yet. No, um, okay, this is a weird pairing, but you know, me personally, I feel like these two people, their styles uh match up tremendously well. Uh, I think you know, I think the movie that they would make would be painfully obvious. Uh, and it would it would be also amazing. You guys know how I feel about Chicago. That is one of my favorite movies because uh, I love movie musicals. So I paired Rob Marshall, who was the director of Chicago, with Anne Hathaway, who was the star of Les Mis. And so like obviously it's a musical. I think it, they would kill it. I think it would just be a spectacle to see. That's that's my pairing, Rob Marshall and Hathaway. Mm. I can definitely see it. I can yeah. definitely see the witches star Anne Hathaway with <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides star Rob Marshall. Um, <laughs> that definitely sounds good. That, that, that is a match made in heaven. <laughs> Especially with the the standout directing in on Stranger Tides and the standout performance in the witches. That sounds exactly. That sounds great. It's, 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 it's a match. It's a perfect match. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, It'd be a hilarious okay. movie. So um, throughout my list so far, I, I've picked award winners in Emma Stone. I've picked people on the rise, Ryan Coogler, JDW, Florence Pugh. Um, not this time. For my second most anticipated on this list, I'm going with two people that are extremely established and um, – Phoenix is going to love on this choice so much. And I love it because I would get excited if this was announced as well. Going with Barry Jenkins. Mm. Um, another director who I've only seen one of his films, obviously, Moonlight. Um, but I really enjoyed that. I think the story he was telling was just incredible. And specifically seeing what he was able to do with Mahershala Ali and this mentor figure 
And when you think of a mentor figure, I want to see Barry Jenkins write this script with a strong mentor for whom whatever story he's trying to tell, he needs a, a father-like figure, a wise guy. And when you think of who fits that billing, there's got to be one name on the top of that list, and that's Morgan Freeman. Mm. I think nice. whatever story, maybe you tell it with – I don't think Morgan Freeman should be the star necessarily, but he should mm. be the supporter for a teenager, a young man. Mm. Whatever story they're trying to tell, Morgan Freeman can definitely be that wise – father figure, influencer. And I just think that would work perfectly because more, uh, because Barry Jenkins wrote Mahershala Ali so well as the mentor, Morgan Freeman can pull that off with ease. Nice. Nice pair. Cool. I like that. Yeah, you're right. I am going to love that. <laughs> I love, I love Barry Jenkins's work. So like, like you, I didn't, I didn't add him on this one cause I did it. I used him last time, but uh yeah it, anything barry jenkins does i'm gonna probably love go ahead nick um so i have somebody who is also an award winner um with these two pairings so the actor would be joaquin phoenix um i think he nailed the role of joker and something that joaquin is known for is really just getting into character um gaining weight losing weight looking different ways um, for a specific character. And I think somebody who writes characters very well, when you look at uh, Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards or Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that's Quentin Tarantino. Nice. He has these dark and gritty <laughs> characters, and I think Joaquin Phoenix perfectly aligns with the characters that Tarantino writes, and I would love to see them in a pairing together. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't use Quentin either because I used him last time, but that's perfect. Well, this is my first time, so I get yeah. those, those good pairings. That is a great pairing. Uh, oh, it, and re not recycling is just something that we wanted to do. We we didn't yeah. we didn't even discuss it, Phoenix. Right, it's just right. there's so many actors out there. Why why reuse the same right. ones? And so same with directors. Yeah. Well, oh, directors is what I meant to say. Yeah. Not actors. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. It's fine. I, I just didn't want to recycle. So it's yeah. no big deal if you do. No, and no. I love. Obviously, I just, this is your first time, Nick, too. So yeah, that's a fantastic pairing, Nick. Quentin Tarantino and Joaquin Phoenix. I would I would see that movie right now. <laughs> uh, so my second is going to be. I'm slightly going to have to piggyback off of what <laughs> Nick just said. I, I see I see Joaquin Phoenix definitely uh, as a, like one of just the most one of the most brilliant actors of our generation, and I think he should also work with someone whom I consider one of the best directors of our generation, and that is Christopher Nolan. I think Nolan and Phoenix would be perfect perfect together. Um, I, I like I I just would I would eat that up. I think it would work so well. Uh I want Hoyt Van uh cinema on as the, the cinematographer as well. Um I think I don't know what the movie would be. I don't care. <laughs> uh -huh. I think as long as you got Christopher Nolan and Joaquin Phoenix, like I, I feel like it wouldn't work like 
you couldn't do another tenant with that with that pairing. Yeah, but God, you could please, do please not another tenant. Right. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like an interstellar or something like, you know, saying or oh God, what's the other one? Uh Nathan, help me out. <laughs> with what? Nolan? Yeah. Inception. Inception. Inception thank you. <laughs> something like that, I feel like would work really well with uh Joaquin Phoenix. So that's my second pairing, Christopher Nolan and Joaquin. All right, Nathan, are we, at your, we yes. at your number one? We are at my number one. My number one last time uh, was Sam Rockwell and David Fincher. I think David Fincher is the master at writing adaptations from, from books, from real-life events. Um, and Sam Rockwell, like, like Phoenix mentioned earlier, I think he's one of the most talented people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that is a director-actor pairing that I would get over the moon for. Um, this one I'm not as excited about, but of the pairings I came up with, this is my favorite of those. Um, I've talked a lot about these directors that I haven't seen a ton of, Barry Jenkins, Yorgos, Patty Jenkins, go in complete opposite direction. This is a director who I've seen all of. This is a director who Nick has seen all of. Um, it's also a director that I am not crazy about. This is a director that I'm like, uh, about. Um <laughs> Nonetheless, this gets me excited. That's Wes Anderson. Mm. Um, I love Grand Budapest Hotel. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think he's got a couple other good movies, but a majority of Wes Anderson's filmography I am not a fan of. (laughs) Um, But seeing Fantastic Mr. Fox, seeing Grand Budapest, and I'm excited about French, French Dispatch, I wanted to pair him with someone who is just, naturally funny because that's what Wes Anderson does. He's a comedian. And though there are so many people lined up to be in French dispatch, though Wes Anderson is the king of Mm -hmm. getting big names to be cameos. I paired him with someone who I've always thought is naturally funny. Um, He has starred in a few comedies, um, but he's mostly known as a dramatic actor. Nicholas Cage. But God, (laughs) but, um, this person is funny even in his dramatic roles. And if you are thinking of Ryan Gosling, you are correct. Oh, I think Wes Anderson and Ryan Gosling, yeah. I would be there opening night. I would clear <laughs> out my week to go see this. Ryan Gosling is just so naturally funny in every movie I've seen, not named Blade Runner 2049. He's not, he's not asked to do anything funny in that. But even like La La Land, he's hilarious. And in The Nice Guys and Crazy Stupid Love, he's funny in those movies. He's just a funny guy. And Wes Anderson, probably the biggest comedic director right now. This pairing gets me very excited. So Wes Anderson and Ryan Gosling, I like it. I like it a lot. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah that, that, that I would be right there with you to see opening night <laughs> all right nick what you got all right so my number one um is another director where i've seen all their films um and one of my favorite directors um but that's not why i put him on on number one obviously um but this director is just so good at writing fantastic characters at writing fantastic stories whether it be Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal 
and prisoners, whether it's while well, Nathan doesn't like it, Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think, fantastic stories, fantastic characters, and somebody who, when in the lead role, is always on their game, A1. Um, somebody who, you know, should have more best actor and somebody who that we've talked about a lot, and that's Leo DiCaprio. Mm. Um, I think these two pairings would be fantastic. Um, like Nathan said, I'd be there opening night um, both times <laughs> to see this movie. Um, so that is my number one. You said Leo and who? Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I like those. All right. Uh, so my number one is going to be two people who I feel are on the up and up. Uh, you know, just uh, getting good work and and doing good stuff. And I think actually would be an amazing pairing. Uh, the director uh, has only done six films, most of which have been shorts. Her first major film uh, was in 2019. And this guy who's been just killing it lately, doing great work. So I paired Alma Harrell, who's the director of Honey Boy, uh, 2019, starring Shia LaBeouf. Uh, I paired her with Jonathan Majors, who I think is excellent, just an excellent actor. I think Alma Harrell has just such a grasp of storytelling, and I feel like she can tell any story, like regardless of who it's for, who it's from, the the perspective i think she's got it i think these two would be magic together and little little sugar on top uh natasha Breyer, who was the cinematographer for honey boy i want her on this project as well uh fantastic pairing i think alma harrell and jonathan majors would kill it i don't even care what it's about i think it'd be a great movie (laughs) so those are all of mine. I, I don't know about you guys, but I did have some extras that I wanted to let you guys know. Just guys, list them off. Yeah. So I got yeah. Jordan Peele with Dakota Johnson. I think Dakota Johnson needs to do a horror movie. I think she'd be great with whatever Jordan Peele does. I paired Adam Driver with David Fincher, which I think would be an interesting mix. Uh, I also paired another actor on the rise, Kelvin Harrison Jr., with mm-hmm. a director on the rise, Lee Whannell, who did The Invisible Man this year. Uh, I think that would be an interesting mix. I had, obviously, Ryan Coogler and John David Washington. Thank you for stealing that. <laughs> I welcome. paired Florence Pugh with Sofia Coppola. I think yeah. that would be a nice mix. I also had Noah Baumbach with Anna de Armas. I think, I don't know. I just think it would work. <laughs> Um, and I paired Bong Joon-ho with Robert Pattinson, I think. Really? Yeah, I think what what Bong Joon-ho did with uh, Chris Evans in Snowpiercer, I think he could replicate with Robert Pattinson, uh, probably in a slightly better movie. But yeah, I think Robert Pattinson would work there. And director Marielle Heller, who did A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, 
and Can You Ever Forgive Me, paired her with Daniel Kaluuya, who I think would be, is, is just excellent no matter what he does. I think it'd be an interesting mix. So those were all of mine. Wonderful. Yeah. Great choices, and I can't wait to do this again in, like, March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. Sweet. So, guys, let us know which pairing you like the most. Uh, it'll probably all be mine. I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but let us know. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Film Code Pod, and uh, leave us a review either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and let us know what you thought about our pairings and uh, any other pairings that you guys may have that you want to see. So um, now that that's done, it's time for Film Code, guys. All right, so it was my code word this week, uh, and it your code word was red. The movie was from 2000 to 2010. It is a part of a horror series, so it's a series of horror films. And your last clue was Canadian. Uh, recently, uh, Nathan asked me in the chat, "Is it?" Is it a Canadian film or it involves Canadian members? It is both, actually. So this is full-blown Canadian. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, Nathan, you've had more time with this. I'll let you start. What is your your guess? All right. So I looked into this quite a bit. I couldn't quite find where Canadian fit the mold. Mm-hmm. So I am not feeling too confident in it. Um, but I am going to go with one that at least fills the other categories. Uh, I'm going with Hannibal from 2001, which is part of the Silence of the Lambs franchise. Mm-hmm. Or it is a horror franchise, mm-hmm. 2001, so it fits that time period. Um, it is very red. The, <laughs> the uh, cover is very red. Right. And obviously it has you know Anthony Hopkins in it, so... Um, I am not confident in that pick because I don't see it relating to Canadian. Um, but at the end of the day, searching for Canadian horror franchises is much harder than one would expect. So <laughs> that is my pick. It is likely wrong, but um, that is what I'm going with. All right. Nick, you've had right. some time I, now. I, what you... I feel pretty confident in my pick. Um, right. So this is a Canadian horror film. Mm-hmm. Um I looked into the, the, the film. It does have sequels. It does star people who are from Canada. Okay. Um, there are multiple films. It came out in 2000. And the movie is Ginger Snaps. Whoa. On the cover, there's like red writing. Somebody's lipstick is red. <laughs> so maybe, maybe. I feel pretty confident. All right. Those were actually really great guesses, guys. And I'm happy to report that Nick got it right. It was Ginger wow. Snaps. Yes. Yeah, let's yes. go. Way to go, Nick, man. Wow. Not bad for, for literally just getting it today. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so. it was Ginger Snaps. The, he's right. The red uh, Ginger Snaps is in red writing. It is a horror series. It is uh, entirely Canadian. Uh done in Canada, Canadian director, Canadian actors, yeah. all the way around. Like, 
And from 2000. The, the thing that really pushed me over the edge is that on Wikipedia, it says it has a large cult following. Yeah. So I, I knew that that had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I highly recommend it. If you have not seen it, Ginger Snaps. It is a great little horror, little short Canadian horror story. Uh, deals with werewolves. I dig it. Ooh, I thought Nathan's it was hilarious. Favorite. Yeah. I thought it was. Nathan <laughs> loves werewolves. Oh, I thought go. it was great. So I, I highly recommend it. So congratulations, Nick. I think that puts you tied I with believe. Nathan now, finally. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so both Nathan go. and Nick are at four. I'm at three. Brandon's at two. Wow. All right. So now it's getting tight. Uh, whose code word is it next week? Is it yours, Nick? Or is I it think it is mine? Um, so we will be hearing at that <laughs> on a later date, of course, in typical Nick fashion. Right. Um, I have to to now um, put Nathan off off my trail. Right. Um, I have to to get another one right to to be in first place. Can't let him get it right. So expect a challenge. That was and great. also expect something to be thrown in there at the last minute. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so, some, some lob that is like, <laughs> that oh, told- yeah, I, I told you guys the cover was green, but it's actually red. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, reddish one green. Wes Anderson actor, and he directs it actually, <laughs> too. <laughs> All right, looking forward to it. All right, so we got to get up out of here, guys. Nathan, let everybody know where they can find you, man. Yes, you can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. That's pig with two G's. I have a ton of hot takes on the way, so feel free to interact with me. If you let me know you're a, a listener of the show, I'd be happy to give you a follow back and discuss with you. Um, also, please follow the show over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We do a ton of stuff to try and interact with fans, and that's an easy way to get yourself shouted out on the show. We're trying to do some exclusive content with us, the hosts, and, and things like that. So Real great place to get involved over there at Film Code Pod. If you're not following us on Twitter, you are definitely missing out. Um, not only that, but we do have some side segments coming out. Phoenix did one just last week on some 2020 movies we haven't gotten to talk about yet. Brandon, who has not been able to join us the last couple weeks, and I have done one on the series Gotham. We plan on doing a Mandalorian one and a few more. So look for some collabs between Brandon and I, as well as some collabs just in general, some solos in general little side segment episodes shorter than this with some different type of content. You'll definitely want to check those out. Just want to thank you guys so much for listening. Absolutely. Nick, where can everybody find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. Um, not the CEO of hot takes like Nathan is, um, <laughs> but I got some pretty hot, hot takes as well. Um, working our way through the, the big name Cohen brothers, and then probably I'll go through and rewatch all the ones that we didn't get around to. Um, it's that time of year. It's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have it on, but here's my uh, my favorite hoodie <laughs> or sweatshirt or whatever you want to call it. This is Hallmark my Christmas movies. Hallmark Christmas movie sweater. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So Hallmark movies are my ish. CEO of Hallmark Christmas Movies. So there's there's 40 releases. I've gotten through two so far. Um, but expect when I go home for Christmas break to, for me to bang out those. Um, so if you're a fan of those movies, go ahead and 
Give me a follow. <laughs> I want you guys to know that from now on out, I will be introducing Nathan as the CEO of Hot Takes and Nick as the CEO of Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, there we go. There Look we go. Talking you guys have hot takes. You guys have earned those. <laughs> Look who's talking. <laughs> so I. Well, no. Uh, Phoenix is the CEO of bad takes. <laughs> yes. Yes. The CEO. So there of we bad go. Takes. We're now all CEOs. Wrong the club of wrong takes. That's that. I will not accept that. All right. So. <laughs> yeah, my, my name is Phoenix, guys. You can find me on. Twitter under IMHO Reviews 1, that's the number one, and on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin. And like Nathan said, please follow the show on Twitter, on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> see you. <laughs>